So we're in this series called Love Is, and uh, we've talked about all kinds of stuff. And uh, the basis of our kind of scriptures where we started from, I'll just go through briefly. We'll just kind of catch up on it. But John 15, 13, we've talked about it every week. It says, greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for one's friends. Um, so the greatest kind of love you can walk in is one that lays down your life, that prefers others, that puts other people's lives as a priority, that cares about others, that, that will lay down your own ideas and agendas to make sure other people's needs are met. That's the greatest kind of love. And, uh, and then in Luke 10, 27, it says he answered, they were asking him, you know, what's the fulfillment of the law? What, what's your interpretation of this? And, the, and he, uh, Jesus boils it down to um, Luke 10, 27, he answered, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And so to love God, to love with all your heart, with all your soul, to have all of that unto God is great, he's saying. That's important. That's everything. But if you don't love your neighbor as yourself, if there's no love for your neighbor, then the other part doesn't matter. You have to have both. He said, and. He didn't say, like, if you have extra time, and it would be good if you also... No, it was and, like those go together. So we know whenever we talk about love, it, we talk about love has to do with more than just ourselves because we like to buy the books that are self-help and how to make my life better and how to make my life perfect. And we're real inspired by those ideas. But when it comes to I'm going to live my life in a way that not only do I grow as a person, but I'm going to grow those around me, that's the God kind of living, amen? And uh, we shared the thought that says, if you think you have the good news of Christ or the good news is in you or you've received the good news, but the good news that you think you have isn't good news for your neighbor, then you probably don't have the good news of God because the good news of God and the goodness of God not only should be in you, but it should overflow, as we talked about, into others' lives. Amen? And so we'll read the classic 1 Corinthians 13.4 where we started this whole series from uh, in verse 4, 13.4 says, love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs, love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with truth, it always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres, love never fails, and then there's some stuff after that, but today I want to zero in on love always trusts, it always trusts, um, Trust is a tough one. Uh, sometimes we can get really sort of haughty or, or, or we think we're wise, we're wise and we play this card that says, um, well, I'm going to set boundaries and I'm going to be safe and I'm protecting and I'm doing the right thing by not trusting, by not extending myself in the area of trust. Now, there is certainly times to put up boundaries and to walk and be safe and make sure you're not in a place where uh, you can continually be damaged or hurt in relationships and those kind of things. But it's an easy scapegoat to say, well, I'm going to protect me and I'm going to protect my family and, uh, and, and in all these other areas, maybe in your job or this or that. And, and it's easy for us to say, well, I'm going to set this safeguard and uh, I'm not going to trust this person or I'm not going to trust this thing or I'm not going to risk because I have this, and you try to protect. But God's way is always advancing. God's way is always calling you into more. God's way is always pulling you higher. Uh, you go to another level and another level in God. Scripture says that uh, God's desire is us, that we would abound more and more, always grow and grow. Healthy things grow, right? 
if if something isn't growing, you know, it, it's it's dead in plants. And so we're headed into spring finally, thank God. Uh, things are going to grow because healthy things grow. And it should be the same thing in our walk with God. As we're having a healthy relationship with God, we're growing. We're abounding more and more. And, uh, and a lot of times that comes with trust. We talked a lot about last week about um, having the peace of God that passes understanding, you know, so we give up the right to understand it, and, and then God gives us peace. And so we'll look at that a little bit more here, but love, trust. Uh, I think a really deep level of love is when you can trust somebody. Uh, how many know uh, we're actually getting away to go to a conference, and, uh, and so we're going to go to a conference uh, right when the service is over. We're going to fly down to Florida and go to a conference, and uh, our daughter's going to go with us. How many know I'm not going to go on Craigslist and uh, find her a babysitter tomorrow afternoon, right? I'm not going to go down to Walmart and be like, hey, you busy tomorrow? Do you want to watch my kid while I'm at the conference? Like, because you trust people who you have love or like a deep relationship with. Like, you know, you give more trust to those that you love. And um, so we want to look at this scripture a little bit here. Um, Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, very classic scripture. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart all your heart. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And we could just preach that line all morning right there. A lot of us say like, oh, I trust God, but with all your heart? <laughs> or are you trying to like still working out on your own? I'm trusting God, but I'm working really hard over here to make sure I handle it in case God fails it. <laughs> you know, we, we like the very safe territory, which we'll talk about here in a minute. I'm getting ahead of myself. But uh, it says, trust in the Lord your God with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Oh, <laughs> Oh, great. Thank you. As if the first part didn't already say that. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. All your heart, trust God. And then it says, in case you didn't get it, let me make it more clear. And so then don't live in a way that you lean and completely rely on all your own understanding. So what it's saying is this. We have this unknown God who we can't see, who we can't just call up and get coffee with and all this kind of stuff. It's saying trust in that with all of your heart. Trust in all of your heart. And then don't put all your confidence in your own understanding. Which means at some point in your life, when you're living and doing this scripture, you're going to be walking in ways that you're saying, God, I trust you, but I don't understand it. To walk with God is to be walking and saying, I don't understand it, but I'm still following you. And you guys are, you're, you're looking at me like, yeah, we know that. No, seriously, that's a hard thing to do. <laughs> it's a hard thing to do. We say, it's really hard to say, God, I totally, totally trust you. And not only do I totally trust you, but I'm following you and I don't understand it right now. Right. That's insane. But love does that. Love trusts. Love trusts a God who, even though we don't understand it, we know that he's good and he's merciful. And he loves us and he's for us and he doesn't want to see us forsaken. Somebody say amen. So it says, in all of your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. So that's the kicker. How do you do it? How do you trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding? Here's how you do it. In all of your ways, in all of your decisions, in all of your things, acknowledge him, give him place, and he will direct your path. So it's not just like, oh, there's this God who we can't see, we don't know, and uh, we just hope randomly he's going to put me in all the right places. No, you seek after him, you study his word, you worship, you do all these things, uh, and you acknowledge him in all of those things, and he's going to show you the path. Somebody say, that's good. So God is love. We know that scripture in 1 John 4, 8. It says that God is love. So in order to know anything about love, you need to know some things about God. So God is love. To talk about God, you have to know God. So God 
is God. He's all-knowing. And I'm just setting this up a little bit, and then we'll muscle through the end of it. Uh, but here's, here's what's interesting. We split our relationship with God two ways. We have two kinds of God, if we were to be honest. We have God that we like, that, that, that's easy for us to understand as God. And he's our Savior. So we, it's easy for us to say, God is our Savior. He saved us. We, he, he changed our lives. He forgave us. We're on our way to heaven. He's our Savior. That one's easy to say. Or he healed us. Or he, he's our shepherd. He's leading us into, into good things because he's our shepherd. That God is easy to, to roll with. That, that God, I get that. But the hard God is God. God in our lives is God, which means that he's over all. You know, that, that one is kind of like, oh, man, He's God of my finances, God of it, <laughs> the God over all of it. Uh, he's the God over my thoughts and my actions and my desires. Uh, when we use the term Lord, we've sort of churchized it, you know, as like he's our Lord or whatever. But the word Lord is lordship. God is our Lord of our lives, all of our direction, all of who we are. He's the Lord of our lives. That one takes some trust and some, some depth to it. Um, king is a word that we describe Jesus. Uh, he's our king. Literally, king has a government, a way in which things are run. And so it's really easy for us to get a bumper sticker that says, like, oh, he's our savior. We're going to heaven and this kind of stuff. But the bumper sticker that says, like, he's our king and we bow our lives to his word and his government and his ways, that doesn't sell as good, does it? Who's with me? Are you with me? And uh, so I am not the God's angry guy. I'm not the guy that's like, he's up in heaven. He's going to get you with the lightning bolts and whatever. But there are laws and principles that God put in place not to control you, not to manipulate you. Listen, everybody always says, oh, Christianity, it's so full of so many rules. The Bible has more promises for your life than it does rules. God's divine design is not to hold you down. It's to elevate you. Amen. And so when we say he's our Lord and he's our God and he's our, it's because all of those structures are just what Jesus said. I've come to give you life and to give it to you better. There's a better way to live and it's submitted unto a God, but that takes trust. That takes this wholehearted, as you've heard me say, get out of the boat, surrender, do the thing that I'm uncomfortable with, serve others, love others, forgive others, all of those things that it takes for us to live the way God called us to live. Everybody say, I got it. So that's a nugget we're going to chew on this week is what does it look like for God to be God and King and Lord of our lives? Not just the easy Christian things that we talk about. What is it to be the big things when he calls us to give more, maybe financially to a cause or to serve more with our time or to make that phone call of forgiveness or all of those things? What does that God and Lord and King look like in our life? Amen? Okay. <laughs> Um, so Ecclesiastes 11.3, the little story we're going to look at here is awesome. And I, and I heard this thought a, a long, long time ago, and I kind of wrote into a message. This is actually one of my first messages I ever wrote as a youth pastor, just this idea. And uh, it goes like this. In Ecclesiastes 11.3, it says, If the clouds are full of rain, they empty themselves upon the earth. If a tree falls towards the south or the north, in the place where the tree falls, there it lies, there it shall lie. He who observes the wind, this is the key scripture, he who observes the wind will not sow, and he who regards the clouds will not reap. 
So if you're waiting for everything to be perfect, if you're always looking at the clouds and you're always looking at the wind, you're always looking at everything before you sow, before you advance, before you trust God, before you take a step, if you're waiting for everything to be perfect, the scripture says you will not reap. You'll, there'll never be the perfect time. Uh, it says, so if you're waiting for everything to be perfect with your job or with your kids, or for the, if you're waiting for everything to be completely perfect before you do something in the kingdom of God, there's never going to be the perfect time. Somebody say it's truth. Verse 5, as you do not know what is the way of the wind or how the bones grow in the womb of her who is with child, so you do not know the works of God who makes everything. And so it's saying how many times in our natural life, if I were to put you all up here and say, okay, how many of you have had you know, kids before? And you would say, you know, obviously we've had kids or whatever. So tell me not how it works. Get your mind out of the gutter. Uh, but how does it work? Tell me scientifically what's going on when you're growing a baby. And, is it, and most of you would be like, I don't know, because I don't know. Uh, I went on Baby Center. I was a good dad. And once a week, I got an email, and it said, this thing was growing, and this thing was happening. And your wife's probably going to be a little meaner between these weeks and this week. And so don't overfill the vaporizer and all this kind of stuff. Uh, so I did that. But, uh, but I don't know the science. Like, I don't know the thing. But you know what? We, we do it anyway. We, we have kids, and we just trust, you know, that, that God is in it and all this kind of stuff. And, and so it's interesting in our regular lives how often we're okay taking a step out on a maybe or an uncertainty or I don't have it all figured out, but I'm going to do it anyway. I don't understand how electricity works, but I turn on the light switch. And, like, you know, I, it, because it's, it's, it's not something that, well, until I understand light bulbs and all this kind of stuff, I, I better not do it until it's perfect. No, you just do and you do. And, and it's sometimes the same thing in our walk with God. God's calling you into something, just like the scripture says right here. It says, so you do not know the works of God who makes everything, but, but you do anyway. You have to go anyway. You have to trust God and walk and take a step out of that boat and trust and trust that God is for you and he has great plans for you and he'll never leave you, forsake you or fail you. Somebody say amen. So it says, in the morning, sow your seed, and in the evening, do not withhold your hand, for you do not know which will prosper, either this or that, or whether both alike will be good. So it's saying, you don't know if this one's going to work out or if this one's going to work out. And listen, I'll tell you that there's been times where we've done something and we've trusted God and we've been involved in a ministry and it failed. And we were like, it failed. I can't believe we wasted all that time. And then five years later over here, that thing produced something for us. So a lot of times when the scripture says, you don't know whether this or that or like is good or how it's going to grow or whatever, that's what it's saying is like a lot of times we're real quick to say, well, that didn't work. Good job, God. You led me down this thing and it failed. You don't know the way in which God is growing and putting his hand on things. All you're called to do is be obedient to what he called you to do. So farmers do this, you know, as the scripture is saying here, the parable, you know, farmers, we're getting ready here in the spring. They're not going to be like, well, we have to wait exactly perfect for everything. to. They know that there's going to be days that it's good for what they put in the ground, and they know that there's going to be days that it's bad for what they put in the ground. But they know if they just endure and trust the process that what they did was good and right and in good ground, that it's going to come to harvest. Somebody say amen. And that's how we have to be in the things of God. God calls you to do something. He's inspiring you. He's pushing you. He's leading you into something. You go for it. You trust God. It lines up with scripture. You trust God. And there's going to be days that the environment's not good for what you're doing. And there's going to be days that it's good for what you're doing. But ultimately, God is the one in control. And he's got a better opinion of things. Amen? 
But the problem is we, as Americans, we love the instant culture, you know, because trusting takes time. Here's what my wife hates. Uh, she hates to be patient. <laughs> uh, she'll tell you this. Uh, but what she really hates is I always bust her with this one. Uh, the number one word used in scripture with the word faith. So we like faith. Oh, I'm going to be, I'm going to have faith and I'm going to have faith and I'm going to, I'm going to be a godly person who use faith. But the number one word used with scripture in combination in scripture with faith is patience through faith, faith and patience. They inherited the kingdom uh, through faith and faith and patience, all these things. Um, so those, those are a good combination. Why? Because in that process, you're building this trust with God. You're building this relationship, okay? And so love, trust. We learn to trust that God is for us, and he's leading us, and he's in it. And, uh, but the problem is our culture likes the instant. We like to make a decision, and we like to see the result of the decision, and taking the time to trust and all this kind of stuff, forget about it. But that's just not God's way because God is always into the relationship with us. Uh, the people that I trust the deepest, okay, I've probably spent the most time with. Obviously, your wife and your family and, and, and some of those relationships, they've, they've been through the most process, and so you have trust. The old saying that says, you don't know how strong they anchor until you've gone through a storm. That's how it is. That's how you gain trust. That's how it is where I walk with God is uh, you go through some things, and you realize, you know what? God didn't leave me out to dry. God's always with me. His plan is always better than my plan. I have trust in him. So the process of trusting God and, and faith and patience, all of that produces real depth in our relationship with God. Amen? So there's a story uh, in Samuel. It goes like this, and I'll, I'll try to speed it up a little bit. But it says, uh, Jonathan is with his armor bearer, and it's found in 1 Samuel 14, 6. You don't have to turn there just for time's sake. But Jonathan and his armor bearer, they're called to go take over um, a city. And there's 250,000 people versus Jonathan and his armor bearer. So 250,000 versus two people. And uh, Jonathan comes to his armor bearer, and they only have one amount of armor between the two of them. So somebody's going, like, unguarded. And uh, Jonathan comes to his armor bearer, which we'll read here in 1 Samuel 14, 6. It says, Then Jonathan said to him who bore his armor, Come, let us go over to the garrison of these uncircumcised. It may be, maybe, that the Lord will work for us. For nothing restrains the Lord from saving by many or by few. So he comes to his armor bearer and he says, hey, I got this idea. We got to take over these 250,000 people and it's just us and we got the one pair of armor. And uh, at this point in verse 7, you're getting ready for the armor bearer to say, go ahead. You know, like, oh, I got to. And uh, this crazy guy in verse 7 says, so his armor bearer said to him, do all that is in your heart and was with him. He was with him. And what I love about the scripture here, and charismatic church has a problem with what I'm about to talk about right now. And uh, I love that he used this phrase. He said, come, let us go over to the garrison of these uncircumcised. It may be that the Lord will work for us. So God instructed him to go fight the battle and take on these people. But he used this word, it may be. It may be. Uh, and so people say, oh, he didn't have faith. Oh, he didn't. Dude, he's... Listen, he went. He went. <laughs> so like, so a lot of times uh, people say, oh, you got to, he, you know, he, it's, that wasn't faith. He used the word, it may be God will work for you. Listen, let's all be honest. Take off your religious little mask and cloak and stuff and say, a lot of times when God calls you into something, you say, man, I know God's calling me into this. I know that he's with me. But we all have this moment where we go, 
did I miss it? Was it in my head? Did I miss it? And we, and the devil, because he's the accuser of the brethren. He always messes with, look at the very beginning. He says to Adam and Eve, did God really say, what did he try to do? He tried to get him off of what God said. And so that's how he's always going to do it to you. So he's going to mess with this idea, but it's not what your thought is. It's what your actions are. Somebody say amen. So he says, it may be that the Lord will work. This is what God called me to do. It may be that the Lord will work for us. All I got is a maybe, but I trust God that he spoke it to me, and I'm going to go forth with my actions because nothing can stop God from saving by many or by few. Amen? Yeah. And so the story says that they ran right into the problem, uh, and they defeated them, and they took over the whole army. And, uh, but listen, here's the difference that they did that most Christians do. Most Christians, when they face a problem like that, what do we do? Get on the phone start gossiping about it, start whining about it, start complaining about it. And God has called you to just run right at it. Amen. We'll let that settle in. Amen. You guys are real excited about that one. Like it's truth. It's so much truth because we love that. We love to come up with all the reasons why we shouldn't do it. Well, you know, there's so many of them, and it would be, it would be safe for us if we just, i got to protect this, and I, you know, I, gotta, and I can't step out in faith and do what God called me to do because right now. And again, I'm never, like, telling anybody to get up here and, you know, I'm not telling you to do crazy, stupid stuff that God hasn't called you to do. But we all know the nudges and the pullings that God puts in our heart and encourages us into. Um, and so we can't be the people that hear from God and are right away quick to complain and dissect and, you know, tear down and give all the reasons why you shouldn't. We need to be like Jonathan, his armor bearer. He said, do all that is in your heart. I'm with you. Let's do it. Uh, that are the people that say, even though I may have this maybe voice on the inside of me, maybe that it's not going to work out. It may be that I'm going with God because that's the better way. Amen. Uh, nothing happens supernaturally. So the power of God, we all say, oh, I want to be in miracle territory. Oh, I all want to. We all want to be in that, the supernatural miracle, taking over the mountain, that kind of stuff. But nothing happens in the supernatural world until what? We take steps in our natural life. When we take that step out of the boat, when we go after it. And uh, so we have to do things. That's why we do things even on Sunday, like sing songs that are on a word and have the, that's why we worship. That's why we give financially. We're taking steps in the natural. We're saying, God, I'm trusting you with my finance. I'm trusting you with my time. I'm trusting you with all of these things. Because God can then put his super on our natural and do things for us. Amen? I love this one. We're all waiting. People all the time, all the revivalists, all the people, they're always saying, we're all just waiting for the next great move of God. We're just waiting for the next great move of God. Could it be that God is waiting for the next great move of man? Somebody to just trust him and step out and do something extraordinary. Amen? Psalm 56.3 says this. It says, David said in Psalm 56, 3, he said, whenever I'm afraid, I trust in you. So it's possible, it's possible for you to have feelings or thoughts of, all I got is a maybe, or oh, I got a little fear about this. It's possible that you have those thoughts. And, but the point is, what's your reaction? He said, whenever I'm afraid, I trust in you, God, and I'm going to do what you call me to do. His actions were always towards God, even though he had maybe thoughts and, you know, skeptical things. Oh, God, I... But his actions always lined up with the word of God, and that's what matters. That's why the scripture says we have to take our thoughts captive. Why? Because you can't let a thought become an action because the action is what matters. Amen? All the time in the natural world, we have no problem living in risk or trusting, you know, this stuff that we can't predict. Uh, Crazy deer hunters, you know, 
get up like ridiculously early in the morning and it's freezing cold outside and they climb this tree stand that their grandpa's grandpa put on the tree 9,000 years ago. There's one screw that's still holding it on, but they won't fix it because it's tradition and like, you know, and, uh, <laughs> and, um, am I, am I pretty accurate so far, Doug? Okay. Okay, good. And, uh, cause I don't, <laughs> right. So, uh, I went to Cabela's this week. I'm not a hunter. Uh, I barely fish. I enjoy fishing, but like just the casting and catching after the cleaning and all that, I'm okay. But uh, it was at Cabela's and I decided, you know, I, my weaponry is lacking. You know, like I, this store really made me feel like I wouldn't do good in a zombie apocalypse, whatever it is. Apocalypse. Thank you. I have a baseball bat. That's all. Anyway, but deer, or so deer hunters, you know, they, they, climb the tree and they're freezing and their snot is frozen to their beard they grew and uh and they're up there they have no guarantee of deers and no guarantee of all this stuff but they go out there on this maybe and they trust that there's this process and that this thing's going to happen and they shoot the deer and then for a month on facebook we see carcasses everywhere and uh and i guess it's awesome right like we so, and uh but we do it all the time you know you look at like the, uh, the NCAA tournament and all of these great heroic stories that were inspired by, like, oh, the March Madness, and they conquered in the tournament, and they did all these things. I like that stuff. It gets you yelling or shouting, yeah, whatever. And, uh, but, man, they have no guarantees of everything. They study. They do their best. They, they have this game plan, and they go into it because naturally on the inside of us, God created and wired us to be these people that live in this extraordinary trust because it allows God to put that super on our natural and uh, we get into a place that God does extraordinary things in our lives. Amen. So I think love, love, trust God. Even when we have this, maybe I, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm having this doubt. I'm having that, but I'm going to trust you and go anyway. Um, I love the story of the leper in second Kings five ten. Uh, there's this leper and the story tells him, uh, <clears throat> Jesus tells him to go dip and uh, in the river and uh, he wasn't supposed to do it because of the Sabbath and all these kinds of things, and, uh, but he was going to be healed. Jesus says, you'll be healed. You go down there, and you go dip, and you'll be healed. And the scripture says of the story, he was ticked off the whole way down there. He was all upset that he was called to go down there, and when he got in the river, even though he was upset and had a bad attitude about it, he was still healed. Why? Because he trusted, and he moved out on the word anyway, because a lot of times the enemy will try to tell you, you know, oh, well, you know, you got a bad attitude about it, or you got a uh, if we can get our attitudes and our thoughts to submit to the word that God spoke to us, God will provide for us. Amen. And so uh, the scripture said his skin was new just as like a child. And, uh, and so that's what it's about. Don't let the enemy talk you out of what God's called you into because you have a little hesitation or trust God because God is love and he's for you. And the scripture says he'll never forsake you. Um, when we resigned uh, from our last church to plant this church, um, the Bible series was on TV. And uh, so we're watching this thing, and I'm terrified. I got a three-month-old daughter. We just went off health insurance. We don't have a job. We're going back to Zealand to plant a church, the metropolis of Zealand, you know, like, you know, and these people we don't even know, they're going to come someday, and, you know, all this stuff. And um, in the Bible series, if you watch it every single week and all these heroic Bible stories, there's this moment. And uh, maybe they're not in there. Maybe, like, God just put it on my episodes. But every single week, there's this heroic thing taking place. And they would stop, and they would say, they're having this conversation, whatever. And then they would say, 
I trust the Lord. I don't know, but I trust the Lord. And uh, I just really learned that, tr- you know, we say that all the time. Like, well, I, tr- I, tr- I trust God. You trust God that he's like okay with what you're doing? <laughs> or do you fully, completely trust in everything that God's doing that you can't see? And uh, that's living in the kingdom of God is just trusting that he has everything. Uh, the perfect example of this is Esther, uh, verse 4, 11. In the book of Esther, chapter 4, verse 11, says, all the king's servants and the people of the king's provenance know that any man or woman who goes into the inner court to the king who has not been called, he has but one law to put to death except the one whom the king holds out the golden scepter that he may live. So here's the story. All of Esther's you know, uh, people, they're all, they're all called to be put to death. And uh, she has a word from God that she's to call everybody uh, to fast and pray that she's going to go into the court uninvited, come around the corner, talk to the king, and he's going to set her people free. And, uh, and so they, she prayed and fasted, and, uh, and, and she did some sense uh, and some things like that. But she prayed and fasted, called her people together, and uh, her phrase was this to her people. She said, if I perish, I perish, but I'm going to do what God's called me to do. The scripture says about her story that before she even got around the corner, before she was even seen by the king, he already had the scepter up and said, you can have whatever you want to the half of my kingdom. Why? Because if we live in a way that says, God, you've called me to do this. I'm going to fast it. I'm going to pray it. I'm going to believe you for it. I'm going to do all that I can to line my life up in a way that even if I perish, I'm okay because I want to be obedient and completely trust in you. And then what? God says, I can work with that. And then the provision comes. Whatever you want to the half of my kingdom, God always finds a way to be ahead of us. Isn't that interesting? <laughs> Why don't you stand up? I think that our world, country, community has seen too many Christians live in a way with a faith that they can calculate it, that they can say, oh, I'm a Christian to this degree, that, you know, it's this, 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 and this, and there's no power in it because there's no faith, there's no trusting, there's no wholehearted stepping out of the boat. If I perish, I perish. I believe the scripture says that in the last days, there's going to be signs and wonders that God is a part of that God is alive, signs and wonders. There's going to be things that that's a sign that, oh my gosh, God is a healer, God is a provider that will make people wonder. Like, oh, that is wonderful. That is one, I, that, how did that happen? I wonder how supernaturally that took place. And I don't think it's going to come through us having very like rigid, you know, scripted, this is our relationship with God. Let's keep it in this box. I'm not going to trust for more or go for more. Let's keep it to the... I think signs and wonders come when we live in a way that says, if I perish, I perish. God, I'm trusting you with what you called me into, and uh, I'm going with you like the armor bearer. I'm with you all the way. Somebody say amen. Let's pray. God, we love you so much. Lord, we thank you for every person here. God, we know that you're with us. You'll never leave us. You'll never forsake us. God, we know that you are love, and uh, all of your thoughts towards us are are good and, and, and loving and, and pulling us up. Your son came to give us life and to give it to us better. And your word has more promises for us than it does commandments and rules. And so, God, we, we want to live in a way that we surrender to all of who you are. You're God, you're Lord, you're our king. 
Uh, God, our lives, we want to lay at your feet so that you can lead us and direct us. And, and that way, when we trust in you with all of our heart and lean not on our own understanding, that you will guide our and direct our path as we acknowledge you. God, let us live that way this week. In Jesus' name, amen.